Hello, and welcome to Valley Lights Church Online. You are listening to a church service, basically. <laughs> You're listening to a message about God or the Bible. And there's probably a few reasons that you might have tuned in right now. Uh, maybe somebody invited you to check this out. Uh, maybe you want to fill your mind with things that are going to be more positive. Uh, maybe you're, you've got kids and you want to get yourself or your family on track with you know, good morals. There's probably a variety of reasons why you're listening or why you're watching right now. But I think I could guess at least one of them for everyone that's tuning in right now. I think that at least one reason that you're here right now is that you want to grow your faith. Perhaps you want to grow your understanding of who God is. I think that for some people it may be a really strong desire or for, you know, maybe you it's, it could be more experimental or incremental or just there's little things that you're trying to figure out. But for everyone that's on and watching us, watching right now, there's probably at least some desire that you have to grow in your faith. I think it would be very surprising for someone to voluntarily watch or listen to a church service who is completely resistant to that. So how do, how do you grow your faith? How does our faith in God grow? How does our trust in Him deepen? What kind of things can we do to really solidify that He's real and for our confidence to deepen that He's good and that He can be trusted? How, how do we do that? On some level, you probably want to grow your faith in God. And that's good because He wants that to grow too. The good news is that he's given us catalysts that help us to grow our faith. And there's activities that we can engage in right now that cause our trust in God to get deeper and stronger. And there's a lot of blessing that flows when we do that. A catalyst is something that stirs up a reaction and it causes things to happen faster. Right now, your faith in God, it might be marginal, it might be sort of hazy, but you've come on a great Sunday because this is a new message series that we're doing and we're going to identify five catalysts that really accelerate our faith in God, that really grow us. There's going to, we're going to look at the things that increase how quickly and, and the rate at which our confidence in God solidifies. I'm Bruce. I'm the lead pastor here at Valley Lights, and I'm very glad that you've tuned in with us. Um, I'd love to say hello. Leave your contact information on our connection card digitally or, or shoot an email. The very first catalyst that we're going to look at is called private disciplines. Now, some examples of private disciplines are Bible study, prayer, fasting, uh, meditation, even generosity or solitude. These are all things that you can do on your own that allow you to experience and encounter God in a very personal way. Disciplines, you know, if we're thinking about spiritual disciplines, you know, discipline is hard to do. That's why, that's why they use the word discipline. It doesn't come naturally. Uh, you might have to discipline yourself to exercise or to eat well or to drink a lot of water. Uh, in a similar way, there's tremendous value when we discipline ourselves in a spiritual matter. And the primary discipline or, or private discipline that we're going to discuss today is prayer. Prayer is a catalyst that causes my faith to grow. Prayer is something that you can find in numerous religions throughout the world and over different times. And 
as far as praying goes, there, there's a lot of different ways that you can do it. You know, body positions you can be in or purposes for it or just ways of talking. And for Christians, prayer is, it carries a lot of weight in the Bible. You may not have a lot of experience praying or, or maybe you have none at all. But you don't have to be a committed follower of Jesus to try it out. And I think sometimes it may be that a person's very first step towards God is trying to communicate with him through prayer. So if you're new to walking with God, today you're going to hear about a tension that many other Christians have faced. Prayer is a powerful and dynamic catalyst in our lives, but we don't always see it that way. We often see prayer more as a burden. Do you pray enough? If I, if I asked you, do you think you should pray more than you do right now? <laughs> it's really easy to feel guilt. You know, like, man, I, I, I feel guilty. I, I know I, I ought to pray more. In fact, a lot of the private disciplines are like this when it comes to Bible reading or generosity or fasting. Yeah, I, I feel like I ought, to, I ought to do that more. Even me, when I was first starting out on this spiritual journey, I, without realizing it, I viewed prayer more as a burden or a duty that I had to do. There's, and I thought, there's, oh, there's too many requests. There's too many things to pray for. How, how, how can I pray for them all? And I don't even really know what to pray. I mean, how, what am I even supposed to say? And if, you, if you've had any of those thoughts too, no wonder that prayer feels like a burden. All of these thoughts, you know, they, they come at us, but there, there's, there's one more thought that's even more immobilizing. And if you've ever had any, if you've ever made any attempt at becoming consistent in praying, I would bet that this is the thought that has crossed your mind at least once. The thought is prayer doesn't really do anything. Now, this thought has crept into my mind a handful of times, maybe numerous times. The thought that praying is kind of pointless. You know, I pray something, but nothing happens, and I don't hear anything back. And this creeping thought was captured by C.S. Lewis. He was a brilliant man. He was a professor at Cambridge and then Oxford in England, and he became a Christian at age 30. And he wrote this really interesting book. He describes an interaction between an experienced demon who advises a junior demon in the art of tempting a Christian. <laughs> how, do you, how do you derail a Christian person? And they, they, he refers to the Christian as his patient. It's a book called The Screwtape Letters. And so the, the senior demon, he, he, he advises, use the heads I win, tails you lose argument on your patient with prayer. So if the thing that your Christian man doesn't happen, he prays for it and doesn't happen, then that's just one more proof that prayer doesn't do anything. But if he prays and it does happen, he'll be able to see some of the circumstances that led up to it. And therefore, it would have happened anyway. So, an answered prayer becomes just as good a proof as the denied one that prayer is ineffective. Now, this little <laughs> excerpt from the book, it describes one of the ways that our enemy works to discourage us from praying. I think it's interesting, it's fascinating that our enemy would work so hard to keep us from praying. And if you've ever had this line of reasoning that prayer doesn't work, it's ineffective, it just knocks the wind out of your prayer life. And yet the Bible seems to give direct input on this very idea. 
James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, he writes, prayer, the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Prayer is very effective. That's what the Bible says. That's what James, the half-brother of Jesus, says. Is that true? Can we verify that, that, that it's true? And how does your experience measure up with this idea? There was a time uh, many years ago I was working at another church, and I, had, I was in charge of a big fall festival where, you know, close to a thousand people would show up, and there would be food trucks, and we had, you know, a hundred volunteers working. And this event was a very big stretch beyond my experience at the time. And I was very concerned that it would run well, and it would be fun, and achieve the goals. And at the same time, there's a lot going on in my life. I was in a, a seminary training program, and uh, family life was growing, and my prayer life at the time was rather feeble. And so I would hit obstacles. Things were not going right. Deadlines were charging at me. I, I Really, all I could see were the problems. And so my energy was grinding low, and I, I was getting squeezed. I, I, at the time, I probably would have said crushed under all the pressure, really to a breaking point. So one afternoon, I took a walk in the middle of my working day, and I thought, God, I, I can't do this. I don't, I don't know how to do this. I, I, I don't know what's needed, and this stuff's not coming through, and I need you to come through for me. And I, I just prayed, kind of poured out my ideas and emotions to him, and it helped a little. The next day, I, I did it again. And out of desperation, I started turning more and more to God, thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know where else to go with all the challenges I'm facing. And I started developing this daily habit of transferring my sense of reliance from myself to God. And then I started seeing results. The first result that started coming in was peace and calm. And then I started seeing answers where specific event deadlines or overcoming the sense of defeat or, or things would begin lining up that I'd been praying for. And I later read a quote from another author from a leadership book that really helped me make sense of that period in my life. And here's the quote. It says, God causes challenges that make a leader realize that he must pray in order to have an effective ministry. That was from Robert Clinton, Clinton in The Making of a Leader. And it makes me ask the question, how much challenge will God heap on us until we finally turn to him? At that time in my life, I, I hit a turning point. That was a really big turning point for me when I really began to acknowledge the, the impact of prayer in my life. That's when I realized that prayer is a release, not a burden. <laughs> prayer is a release, not a burden. Praying to God is a joyful privilege to enter into. When I turn and I, I turn to the one who I know who will sustain me, I eagerly ask for his help. Prayer ought to lighten us not weigh us down. Something's off if, if prayer feels like a burdensome chore. God may allow us to go through an isolating experience in order to drive us to him. Isolation is something that you may experience in life. Isolation is when life gets disrupted and someone is separated from their normal, you know, their normal routine or relationships. It could be um, it could be a sickness where they're bedridden. It could be kind of isolating. It could be, actually, COVID has been this way for some people. Uh, the isolation could come after conflict with a person or pressure at work can do this or being a stay-at-home mom and stuck in the mess of, of raising little kids or, 
or more extreme situations like wartime or being in prison, we may walk through times when normal gets stripped away and we're left with a sense of isolation where we lose comfort and stability. And it's in these times that God calls us to a deeper experience with Him, a closeness. We all live with a deep driving need for God. There's this aching void that's hardwired into each of us. We can suppress it and ignore it. If we keep, and actually, we can ignore it fairly well as long as life is running fairly smoothly. For me, there, there were these points in my life where God allowed the smoothness to get disrupted. And perhaps right now you're in a position of difficulty right now, feeling extreme pressure in life or feeling a kind of isolation. Is it possible that God's allowing that to happen? Whenever he does this, it's not because God is mean and he just loves to see us squirm and just get squished under the pressure. That's not it. God allows us because he loves us. It's the same reason that he sent his son to die for us. Someone who turns to God in prayer is someone who is ready to admit, I'm weak. I need help. I mean, why, why would you even pray to God if you've got it all covered? <laughs> the truth is that operating from my instincts is self-destructive. I mean, if... Uh, if if I just look within myself, I, I don't have what it takes. And nobody really wants to admit that. There's this, one of my favorite movies is Thor Ragnarok. It's a superhero movie. And uh, there's this moment where Thor, he's in a, a position of utter submission and he's about to get destroyed by the enemy, and the, the villain. And he has this vision of being with his father and he says, I'm not as strong as you. And he's on his knees and the father turns Odin and he says, no you're stronger. <laughs> and so Thor looks within himself. He musters up the courage and the strength and the power, and he just suddenly taps into something with inside of him. And then he just destroys all of the enemies in one big jump. My friend, the deeper that I look inside myself, the blacker it gets, the darker it gets. How long will we be followed by a trail of pain and difficulty before we admit I don't got this. I don't have it all covered. My way doesn't really work because I'm not a god. I'm not in control of what happens and I don't have an unlimited power source within me. We can turn to God and we can let him rule and govern our lives. And we can accept Jesus and place ourselves under his command. So when we pray, our faith really has a chance to grow. Prayer is a catalyst that causes my faith in God to grow and my trust and reliance and conviction about Him. And here's some of the ways that it happens. One is that prayer helps us to endure. The Bible puts it this way, But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. So in this verse, you see a connection between us getting built up and praying and hoping for eternal life. When we call on God, we start getting built up. We stop following the desires and the instincts that sabotage ourselves. And we start developing an eye to eternity. Prayer raises the sights to the one who owns the timeline of my life. 
so we can develop a resilient endurance. Difficulty will still wash over us. That's part of life. But as we push through, we can know that God is the one that keeps us from falling. Prayer also grows and catalyzes our faith because prayer gets us in sync with God. Jesus routinely got himself in sync with God. Uh, God was his father. The Bible shows one of his patterns. Uh, Mark records uh, very early in the morning, while it, it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place or solitary place, and there he was praying. So Jesus got up when it was still dark. How, what, you know, what time of the morning do you think that would have to be? <laughs> if it's uh, in the winter, it's maybe less impressive because it's darker later in the summer, but I don't know, maybe you're pushing five, four or five in the morning, maybe, kind of depending on how long you prayed. That's, I mean, I, I feel like he probably could have done a different time of day. Was there a reason that he woke up so early? I don't, I don't think that Jesus had like a nine to five job. <laughs> Maybe there was other time during the day he could have found time to pray, but he chose a time that was peaceful and solitary where he could really focus on it. If Jesus needed that time with God, if, if his time with God helped him, how much more do I need time with God, my Father. Jesus even said, Truly I tell you, the Son, speaking of himself, the Son is not able to do anything on his own. Wow, Jesus can't do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son likewise does these things. We see what Jesus said here is that there was total oneness in communication and action. There, there is no independent thought Everything that Jesus said, everything that he did, his, his plans for the day and the direction, his decisions, everything, Jesus was perfectly in sync with God. This is a good example of what it means to pray in the Spirit. Instead of praying randomly or whatever makes sense to us, we pray with a heart to line up as closely with Jesus as possible. This is God's goal for us. Recently in the business of life and and being a part of this church and, and family life and everything going on, I, I really, we, I had been really struggling to keep up in the need for communication with my wife, with Erin. And uh, we both knew that we, we need to be talking. We need to get on the same page about our schedule and plans coming up and what we're spending money on and, and how, how are you doing and how are the kids doing. And when there's not time to communicate, things get missed and uh, things get forgotten to be communicated about which you know, generally boils down to me doing things that are inconsiderate or showing up late, or, or I start doing things independently of her. Not, you know, not maliciously, but I just, I'm, I'm, we're not communicating, so we're missing. And when that, whenever this has happened, and there's been periods in our marriage when it does, goodwill starts wearing down. We get easily frustrated with each other because when, when communication is lacking in marriage, there's a painful dissonance. We're not synced up. And a mentor of mine said, in marriage, you have to plan times. You have to plan it out, times for different kinds of conversation because the important things will never get discussed if you don't. And over the years, this, this, it's been hard for me to remember and prioritize that. And at times, I don't even want to put in the work to plan or to communicate. But things really greatly improve when I pull in. 
By failing to communicate regularly with God, we get out of sync. Here's one more benefit of prayer. Uh, Prayer brings delight to God. Another verse says, The sacrifice of the wicked is detestable to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. This is very motivating to me to note, you know, when we come to God with a genuine heart, it makes him really happy. And I, which is amazing because I think about the, the creator of the universe, ultimate control and ability and power, getting joy from me. It's amazing. And, and I, the only way I can make sense of it, and when I think about my little kids running and jumping into my lap and snuggling in and wanting to talk with me, man, that, I love it. I, I relish those times. And I can imagine that perhaps since God created us and cares so deeply for us that he enjoys when we talk with him. None of these things we just listed, these benefits, are reflective of a burden. Prayer is a release. It allows us to develop a walk, a, a relationship, an ongoing you know, interaction with God. Prayer is not a guilt-driven requirement for Christians to endure and a duty. Prayer is joyfully relating with God, communicating with Him, and listening to Him. Have you noticed the great rise in curbside ordering or uh, things, you know, delivery services like Uber Eats? Uh, my favorite is probably Chick-fil-A because the drive through line is out of control. In fact, I never sit in that. It makes no sense to me. When they build a Chick-fil-A, they have to like plan a parking lot that allows like a snaking line to go for about a mile. But when you pull in with a curbside order, you sit there and somehow, I think my order goes ahead of everybody and they just bring it right out. It's amazing. With, with any of these, these ordering services or even the delivery ones, you just punch in your order down to, down to the condiment or like if you want like a light or extra, just perfectly customized exactly the way you want. It's amazing. And in my early years, I spent a lot of time operating with this mindset in prayer <laughs> where I'd say, uh, you know, I'd pray in the morning and I would place my fully customized order with God. And he's supposed to cook up a great day for me. And uh, I'd, pl- or I'd place my order and he's supposed to come down and deliver my blessings. That's what it is. It's just I punch in what I want. This approach to prayer doesn't work that great. Uh, well, for one, Jesus doesn't work for me. He's not my Uber Eats driver. For my faith to grow deep, I need so much more to just get stuff that I want. And, and it's rarely, when you pray, there's rarely an instantaneous response. Occasionally you pray and then boom, it's there. But why, why is there not usually, why is there not this dynamic? I think if God wanted us to pray more, he could, he could certainly give an instant response. And, you know, if he said, I pray, you know, Give me this thing. Boom, it was there. You'd probably pray more. (laughs) But I think that God is after something more than just showing he can give us things on a platter. He wants a growing relationship of trust. How shallow would my relationship with Christ be if I only ever prayed to get something? I'm glad that God doesn't instant reward our prayers. I, 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 I would prefer that he cares more about us, about being with us more than just providing from a distance.
So the next time you pray and the answer doesn't come right back in, decide to hang in there and then look back over a longer period of time and see the ways that he has provided in a, in a broader arch of ways and see how your faith has grown. We don't, you know, we can't engage in these private disciplines like prayer or Bible study or, or meditation or solitude. We don't, we don't discipline ourselves for the sake of being disciplined or being rigid. It's really a matter of pulling myself under control, developing habits in order to develop something of tremendous value. God wants a deep and close friendship with us. Think about any close relationship that you have with a spouse or perhaps your kids or a roommate or, or, or someone, a friend. If people are just thinking about what they can get out of it, relationships are a burden and they're a grind. But when we spend unrushed time with people, we just turn on the fire. <laughs> I have a fire in the backyard. We just turn on the fire and we just pull up a chair and spend unrushed time with people and we share in conversation, open up personally. There is a depth and a joy that really can develop. And so it helps us to consider different kinds of prayer. So I'll, I'll run quickly through an acronym that I've used for many years to help me develop a category in my mind. Um, the acronym is ACTS, A-C-T-S. And the A stands for adoration. We can start by praising God for who He is, adoring Him. And this really humbling to start off this way. Many of the, the Psalms, there's a book of the Bible called Psalms where it gives us tremendous ideas about just telling God how amazing or faithful or generous or good He is. And we can dive into that book for quite a while to get some ideas. The C stands for confession, where we things come to mind often while we're praying or when we're reading the Bible. We're like, oops, you know what? I totally got off track in that area. This is actually, I spend a lot of time in this category. And sometimes I even ask God to search me and let me know where have I gotten off track. And uh, in this category, we can aim for a discussion where we repent, and confess, repent, and ask for God's help. The T stands for thanksgiving, where we just remember what God has done. And, and we remember the people in our lives, or the material blessings, or, or even mealtime. Praying at meals is just a, a, one of my regular routine favorite ways of just acknowledging, thank you, God, for providing this in my life. And then the S stands for supplication, uh, which is kind of like a big word for asking for things. And this is the kind of prayer we think of most often. This is the kind of prayer that usually the, that, that lie, you know, prayer is ineffective. It usually kind of centers around this category. And we th when we think about things to ask for, there's, there's so many needs. The connectedness of our world, and, and we can get overwhelmed by all the things to pray for. But we can start small, and uh, don't feel guilty about being brief. <laughs> you can read Jesus' prayers in the Bible, and you'd be amazed to see how remarkably short they are. And so different ideas for this category is maybe write a journal, or keep a, a day of the week calendar where you pray for specific things on certain days. I've seen God answer prayer over and over again. Simple things like getting parking spaces or finding lost keys and more complex things like needing money for a huge hospital bill or healing from sickness um, or, or things you can't see. Like when I've needed wisdom in making a life-altering decision about changing jobs or where to live. Sometimes we don't see God come through and answer prayer because our requests are kind of vague. 
where, you know, Lord, thank you for this day and help us to have a good day and um, help us to have a fun time. <laughs> it's easy to fall into that, but it's hard to really know if uh, that prayer got answered by God or if it was just going to be a good day anyway. I don't really know. So Acts, these are different kinds of prayers geared towards a more complete relationship with God. So we can discipline ourselves to work this consistently into our lives. And if it's feeling like a burden or if you're feeling guilt about prayer, let that be a flag in your mind to change it up. Change what you're doing or the way you're thinking about it. Break the structure and remember this is a conversation. By consistently talking with God, we can get synced up with Him each day. And some next steps you might consider, things that you might want to even do this week. Uh, you could view prayer. You could even set a reminder to think about that in the mornings. Um, another thing might be to carve out consistent time to pray and you, you just put it in the calendar. And for... Um, you know, blank you know, X number of times per week for, you know, six weeks or something like that, you could set um, a calendar agenda for that. Or get with another person for mutual encouragement and set a prayer goal. A lot of power comes from doing those things together. But genuine dynamic prayer in the Spirit is a catalyst for growth. You don't have to pray. Nobody's forcing you to do it or me to do it but our faith deepens when we do. I can cooperate with God's work in me. He wants me to grow. He wants to develop me. If I develop this habit and, and I discipline myself with private disciplines such as prayer. Recently, I played an audio of Billy Graham and he was a guy that lived a full, intense life. He was known as America's pastor, made it all the way to age 99, and he lived very, very well. And I want to show you another brief clip to hear what he says about prayer. It's very short, but check out what he says about prayer. And the third thing, go to your knees and pray until you and God have become intimate friends. I cannot describe to you the joy and the peace that he gives to you as a result of that daily routine that you have in prayer. Billy Graham's time and closeness with God sustained him through life. And I love that he says, I, I cannot describe to you the joy and the peace that comes from this habit. And I really believe him. I believe he experienced that. And maybe you've never really have. And maybe you've never really had the discipline or habit of prayer. You might be interested in connecting with God for the very first time. Sometimes the best way to sort it out is to have a conversation with somebody about how to do that. So let us know if we can help you with that. One really big question that tends to come up with prayer is, how do I hear from God? Prayer is talking to God, right? So if I talk to him, how, what if I don't hear anything back? One of the ways that God responds when we pray is by providing peace in troubling circumstances. And two weeks ago, we covered a passage in the Bible that shows how to deal with anxiety and that when we pray, asking for God's help with thanksgiving, he provides peace that surpasses our understanding. My wife Erin shared some practical examples of how that looks and you can find that message on our website. All of our messages are video recorded and you can play and you can listen also to our messages on our podcast as well. But the primary way that, you, that we hear from God is the Bible. 
We most consistently hear from God when we read and think about his words in the Bible. His word guides us through life. And this is going to be the focus of next week's message, understanding how to, how to engage the Bible, how to understand it, and how to live it out, how to obey what God has told us. So the Bible and prayer. Imagine the power and, and help that you can get for daily life if you combine those two resources. So often we, we try to push through life without, without those or just a minimal amount of those, and we got no juice, we got no power. A good, satisfying life that endures through the difficulties that we face can only be sustained by living in the resources that God gives us and by cultivating a deep faith and trust in God. And so over the next few weeks, we're, we're going to continue learning about catalysts. We're going to focus on five things that God uses to really stir up and accelerate and grow our faith in Him. So I hope you'll come back and invite someone to come with you and I'd like to close our message today with prayer. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that we can talk with you naturally and normally and without any mediation. We can, we can talk to you and hear from you and you listen. I'm so encouraged that even that your word says that, that you draw near to us when we pray. It's humbling to think about that happening even now. Help us to engage in private spiritual disciplines uh, like prayer and then also others as well as we learn and grow. I pray that our faith in you would become very firmly rooted and strengthened and firmed up like concrete and that we pray the right things and see you come through. Continue to work through Valley Lights Church to participate in the advance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful week. I'll be praying for you, and I'll see you next time.